You tell them that you're here. Say, I'm not running. I'm here right before you. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Here I am. Put your hand over your heart and say, thanks, Lord, for loving me. Will you tell them that? Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for your love towards me. 
Thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for caring for me. Thank you for the sense of your love that brings a great peace and liberates me from every fear. turn and hug your neighbor and tell him God loves you. God overwhelmingly loves you. God overwhelmingly cares for you. Will you tell him that and impart that heart? Say God overwhelmingly loves you. God overwhelmingly cares for you. His loving kindness is towards you. He causes his face to shine on you. there and you want to pray for one another, go ahead. While I'm finding my place here, go ahead and pray for one another. Anyone has prayer requests, just grab your neighbor's hand in this atmosphere, in this presence of love and assurity, of comfort and confidence in God. Sing, sing, child. <laughs> no one else gonna sing. You lift the rafters. <laughs> Tom, put up number six, the sixth chapter, the twenty-fifth verse. up are we live are we recording the whole shebang i mean everything else yeah it says it says the lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee will you say that to your neighbor may god's face shine on you that's a prayer in numbers let his face shine upon you let his face shine upon you and be gracious to you will you pray that for your children as well Will you speak that on him? It says this is what it says in the in the Hebrew. It says, "Make his face to shine." It means to enhance. The face of God imports. Say it imports. Not merely God's goodwill in general, but his active and special regard towards you. Say God over your heart. You have an active and a special regard towards me. Your face or your eye, the eye of the Lord. It says it's like the judicial visitation. Lord, cause your face to shine on this people. Cause your face to shine on this people. Cause your face to shine. Import yourself to this people. Amen? 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 And you wonder sometimes when I say, pray right now, pray right now. Romans chapter 4 says of Abraham that... Abraham believed, say believed, while in the presence of God, one translation says. It's easier to believe sometimes 
when we're just in God's presence. It's easier to believe sometimes. Amen. That's why I encourage you. Just believe. Abraham believed. Say it with me. Abraham believed while in the presence of God. So when we're in this corporate worship with this corporate Christ in a corporate presence, and you find the ease to believe right now while he's near, Isaiah said, while he's near, seek his face. We know God always hears us, but it's a great sense when we sense that reality of him. Say he's near me. While he's near, I'm seeking him. While he's near, while I sense that nearness and that realness, I'm seeking him. While he's near, I'm calling on him. Isaiah said, call on him while he's near. While he's near. While he's near. Amen? Amen? And some of you, it's a great ministry of reconciliation. And some of you acted on the moment. You seized the moment. You're reconciled. With your eyes closed, just say, God, thank you. Those of you who acted by words, vehicle of words in his presence, and you knew that area that he was drawing you by love, and you acted on it, say, thank you for reconciling that area of my life. Thank you for reconciling me. I don't have to think about it again. I don't have to worry about it anymore. I don't have to take it home with me after right now. I won't listen to condemnation about it. I've received that reconciliation in the right now. Say right now. In this presence, in this day, in this day. Right now, a new today. Say a new today. So it's a new today for you, right? Let go of your guilt. Let go of your past. And just simply say, I've received it, Lord. Say, I've received it. Say, I've received it. I've received reconciliation. It's the end of condemnation. It's the end of self-affliction. I've received right now. Everything's new. Say, it's new. That old that I came in here with has passed away. Right? Right? Amen. Amen. I want you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 11. The 11th chapter of John. And I'm going to go through some things. And uh, I think most people were here last week. And if you weren't, you can always listen to the, the iPod or the iCast or however you say it. And catch up because God's doing things here and he's we're finding we're going to work with this and next week I'm going to give you an assignment even right now Romans chapter 12 I want you to read over that Romans chapter 12 starting in verse 1 start reading over that okay because there's a strong emphasizing I'm going to work with the Lord the best I know how in identifying people identifying your identity in God say my identity my running lane my purpose my gifting my callings in Christ amen in Romans 12, we're going to work with that word because everybody has a treasure. Say a treasure. Put up Psalms 102. I'm going to go over something real quick. I'm going to go over it real quick. Psalms 102. And I went over it a little bit last week, and I don't want to reiterate too much, but just enough. And that's God's emphasis. We're going to stay with it. We're going to work with him in Romans 12. Uh, Psalms 102, and starting in verse uh, 12. It says, but you, O Lord, abide forever. Say, you, are, you abide forever. Your name is to all generations. And you will rise and have compassion on Zion. For it is, it is a set time to favor her. Say, a set time to favor Zion. To honor God in his church. To honor his gifts. To honor his people in that. Right? The treasures. And he goes, for the appointed time has come. Say, it's come for me. Say it out loud. It's come for me. The appointed time has come for me. And surely your servants find pleasure in her stones. And that's the emphasis of God. We're going to go through that for the next few weeks, more than likely, as he calls for it. The stones. You have a treasure. Say, I have a treasure. It's from God. It's in an earthen vessel, right? 
But we're going to discover that, who God called you to be, who he made you to be, the identifying of that. So you don't walk around like the 45% of frustrated kids. Amen? Amen? So right now, say right now, God, reveal that to me. Begin to show me my identity in you. So go over Romans 12. That's just a homework assignment. It's one through, and then that'll get you ready. And God will speak to you before he uses me to speak. All right? So we'll go through that. So back to Psalms. It says, the set time to favor Zion, right? Acts, we went over Acts. Actually, turn to Psalms 42, verse 2. And God's been reemphasizing the kingdom of God, his reality, and, and uh, finding our place through the giftings of God, through his church, amen, through the real church, through the Zion of God. Not the institutional dead thing, not the pretend thing, not the, just the doctrinal thing, but the living Christ in that thing, amen? He says, uh, let's see, what verse do I want? Uh, I think it's, let's see if it's 8, let's see. 42.2. Is that it? My soul thirsts for God, the living God, when he shall I come and appear before God. I don't think that's the one I want. And I'm looking for the verse that says he's the joy of the whole earth. You know where it's at in there? Huh? It says beautiful for situations. He's the joy of the whole earth. 48. What verse? Psalms 48.2. My mistake. Let's read this together. Beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king, right? Say, where is the king? Where's King Jesus at? Where is he at? We know he's seated on the right hand of the Father, but he's in his church. Amen? That's where he shows himself. Uh, it's revealed by pattern that Jesus even led them and said, like right here, it's the lordship, it's the church, and it's the kingdom. Amen? That's the pattern of God. And we've been going over that. So I want, to, I want to make a shift. I want to hold it today. And I want to go to, back to John chapter 11. And we're going to go over that, say identifying. It's so important that you find your identity in God. It's so important that you find that way. Right? Amen? Are you hungry for that or you just want to flail around the rest of your life? I, I was hungry for it. I was desperate. That's why I followed him into the church, the place that I would never go. And I found that by identifying men. Say identifying men. Say equipping men. Say prophets are identifiers. Apostles are stone setters. You need those in the church. Teachers will break it down. Shepherds, they, they're supposed to make you lie down. Right? That's the, it's in his church. The joy of the whole earth. Okay, so let's start with John 11. We're, we're entering into some different things with resurrection. And before I go there, I want you to put down Psalms 102. And I also want you to go over Acts 3 a little bit on your own. That we're talking about that right now because God's beginning to show himself strong in us and through us. Amen. And, and the very verse that Peter said was, look on us. Say, look on us. We got something to give. Remember last week? Look on us. Zion's being favored, but look on us. We have the joy of the whole earth. Look on us, he says in Acts 3. He's the source of life. We have the source of life. Look on us. We have the healer. Look on us. We have the righteous one. Look on us. We have the holy one. Look on us. We have the true one. Where is it at? Say, in you. Say, in you. In his church. Look on us. Amen? It's time. A set time to favor Zion. No apologizing. Look on us. Silver and gold have we none, but such as we have will give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Those who are crippled in religion, you've got friends that go to religion's porch every week and still are at that porch begging for God to do something. And they're supposed to look on Christ in you. Tell them, look on us. 
Come follow me to Zion. Come follow me to life, not some pretentious thing. Follow me to the Jesus, the source of life, the healer of life. Follow me. Look on us. Tell your neighbor, look on us. And that's what he's emphasizing as he favors Zion. Say he favoring Zion. I'll go through it real quick because some of you are getting it. Some of you are looking at me like a dog in a new bowl. Let's go to Acts chapter 3. Say it's a set time to favor Zion, his church. That's where these things happen. Like Anna said, in the house of God, I found out how to serve God. I was talking to an individual this weekend, and they, they, they're truly saved. They received Jesus, made him Lord, and then they, they tried to follow him in, in obedience to the church, and then they just stopped. And they fell short of some things. And God began to deal with them even now because there's no shortcuts. Say there's no shortcuts. By environment, he starts training them. He sets them in places. Some people will tell me, well, I'm not a server. You know, I'm no caretaker. You are if you're a Christian. You are if you're born again. You are if you have that life of God. And God has a way that we'll never bypass serving. But though we're to learn it in the house of God to serve God and serve one another, if you think you're bypassing that, he'll set the environment. That's how much he loves you. And he'll give you someone to serve. Amen? And I told them, you're in a place, though you bypass this and miss this, God's still redeeming this by environment. And you're to serve this person. And you're to serve that person. That's the workmanship of Christ. Amen? In the house of God, Anna said, I learned to serve God. In the house of God, I learned to worship God. In the house of God, I learned some of my identity and my calling in God. Say, it's in the house of God. Say, his church. I'm not talking about playing a game, a social game. I would never play that game. I'm talking about where the Lord's presence is, where called men are truly called and set in by God that can reveal to you your next and your future. That's in his church and in Zion. Amen? So I'm sending out a call for that. Say, God, I'm hungry for that. I'm hungry for change. Amen. So Acts 3, I'll go over it real, real quick. It starts in 1. It says he was, it was the ninth hour. And uh, it goes on about the, the gate beautiful. And that he said there was a lame man there. And I'm not going to teach the whole thing again. But this guy was lame and he was crippled. And God doesn't want us lame or crippled in any religious conception. Amen? He wants us to be walking with him. He wants us to be strong with him. And these two men said, look on us. We're going to tell you something. We're going to tell you something about Jesus. It's going to straighten out your walk. Verse 6. And then he said they began to walk and they, and they cling to them. And I told you, the way of God after a person receives Jesus, you don't flail around. You cling to guys that have some maturity like Peter and John that can get you into that next thing in your future. Amen? And he says he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God of resurrection. That's verse 13. He's the holy and righteous one. Look on us. He's the prince and source of life. We have that. Look on us. He was raised from the dead. Though you tried to kill him, look at that verse. 15 but let's see but put to death the prince of life the one whom god raised from the dead king james and other translations say the source of life say the source of life say you can't put resurrection to death you can't kill resurrection you can't kill eternal life it's eternal tell your neighbor it's eternal life you can't stop resurrection life once you've received jesus it continues it's indestructible in you 
I had a man write me this morning and said, Craig, I want transformation so bad. I want to try. I said, quit trying. You've got a divine seed in you from God. And you're going to become that thing. As sure as I'm alive, you're going to become it. But as many as received them, to them gave you the power to become that thing. Say become. It's not just about me trying. It's not about me struggling. That seed lives. Say it lives. It's resurrection. It's indestructible. I don't care if you backslid, that life's going to get you to follow him. It never stops until we come out of our body. And then it continues even then in resurrection. Say it's indestructible. Resurrections. Say, Jesus, you are the resurrection and the life. He said he's resurrection. Don't you know resurrection has something to do with a resistance? We know Jesus' life, Zoe, but resurrection is even stronger. It's against resistance of death in our lives and things that hinder our lives. Say, I want to apply that resurrection. Paul said that I might know him. Say, know him. And the power of his resurrection. Say, the power of his resurrection. That's a right now resurrection. Say, right now. I'm not talking about the future. And God's trying to move us into the experience of resurrection in life. Are you listening to me? Are you alive? Maybe I got to use resurrection today. I'm going to raise the dead, bless God. Huh? Give me some feedback, folks. Where? That I might know him. Let's read it. And the power, say power, of his resurrection. Where? When I get to heaven? Right here, right now. There is a future resurrection, and Hebrews calls it a greater resurrection. That one day when we come out of our bodies... That we're already clothed, Paul says, with righteousness. And when we drop out of this skin tent, we're already clothed with righteousness. Absent from the body, presence with God. Clothed in righteousness. Amen? That's God. That's the, the resurrection in the future. But there's a resurrection right now. Say it's right now. And Paul exhausted the whole Greek language saying, Church, I want you to know something. I want you to know the power of his resurrection. I'm hungry to know further of it, more of it. I want it in application in my life. Say resurrection is greater than the transgression. Say resurrection is greater than the affliction. Say resurrection is greater than the sickness and the infirmity. Resurrection dealt with a dead thing, not just a sick thing. The power of his resurrection. He said, I want you to know it. Say, I want to know it. That word knows, it means by experience, not theory or not knowledge. Oh, one day you're going to resurrect me. No, now today I live in resurrection. He is the resurrection. I have resurrection. Huh? Amen? All right. Let's go back to, uh, to uh, John. And I'm going to set this up for you. We're going into John, the 11th chapter, starting in verse 1. And we're, we're in the vein of resurrection, right? This is the first raising of the dead, so to speak. A raising, a resurrection, a raising from the dead. And when you look at John's gospel, and I want you to go through your Bible and be study to show yourself approved. Go through John 1, John 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10, right? You're going to see something about Jesus. All those chapters 1 was his dealing and bringing his life, Zoe, say Zoe. Eternal life to people all those chapters one through ten. He's battling say battling with religion 
Say religion. That's a form of godliness. Talk about God, but no reality in God. All through those chapters, you see him challenging, trying to break religion from the chapter 1 all the way to chapter 10. That's his battle until he's ultimately rejected by religion. Chapter 1, he's the Lamb of God, right? He says it takes away the sin of the world. Chapter 1, he says uh, of Jesus, he said, of his fullness, say his fullness. Let's put that up there. John, uh, I'm going to make you work today, Tom, so you get your fingers alive, drink some coffee. We're going to bump you up a couple of notches. So here we go. 116, the 16th verse. And Jesus, with that mindset that I'm telling you today, 1 through 10, he's dealing with religion. He's combating religion on every account. He's beginning to reveal himself as the life, stay the life. He's saying there's no life in religion. There's a form in it. It's weighty. It's heavy. It puts burdens on people and doesn't produce anything. It makes people crippled at the gate. He says, in his fullness, let's put it in the Amplified. It's even better. For out of his fullness, let's all read it together, even Jimmy. <laughs> For out of his fullness, abundance, we all have received. Say, I've received. I've received out of his fullness. Say that with me. I've received out of Jesus' fullness. All had a share and we were all supplied with one grace after another grace. I'm putting it in there because that's what he means. One grace after another grace. Spiritual blessing upon another spiritual blessing. And even favor upon another level of favor. And even gifts heaped upon gifts. Say, from his fullness. It's from who he is. The very Greek says he's the source of life, and that's who it's from. You, I want you to change your prayer life. I want you to awaken up and change your prayer life to the reality of God. Everything comes out of Jesus' fullness. You have a grace. Say grace. Say a grace saved me. A grace is furthering me. See, by his grace, he gave another level of grace. And a lot of you are struggling. Say, I quit struggling today. It's time, even when I'm praying, it's a simple posture of receiving. Say receiving. I don't have to struggle. I don't have to beg. I don't have to try. I don't have to work hard. All I got to do is say, you provided grace upon grace. And that grace is active towards me right now. Say it's towards me right now. Paul the Apostle said, all grace abounds to you in every blessing. It's not just a positional grace that Jesus saved me. It's an act of grace living in you and me. It's furthering our lives. Sometimes it's invisible, but we sense it. It's furthering our lives. It sets us up. Paul says, I labor more abundantly than they all. Not I. Say, not I. But what? But by the grace of God. Say, grace is abounding towards me. Grace is working in me. Grace is causing and helping me to receive what I need. Say, His grace. It's amazing grace. And when you're sitting there praying, and some people, like this young man that wrote me, struggling, struggling in his mind, I want to tell him, sit down and relax. Where His Spirit begins, your struggle ends. Where His grace is found in you, that all ends. And you start receiving from God. Listen, go to Matthew chapter 8. Someone needs to hear this. Stay with that. Don't let me forget, Anna or Jimmy or whoever. John 1, 16. Go to Matthew chapter uh, 8, verse 1. 
you got to get the heart of God. Sometimes we got mind blocks and mindsets. And I want you to say with me, this word is to the many. Say the many. It's not just to a few people. This word's to me. Say it's to me. It's to the many. It says when Jesus came down from the mountain, say the mountain, denoting a high place, denoting the kingdom of God, its authority and beauty, great throngs followed him. Next verse. And behold, a leper, say a leper. He came unto him at pro prostrating himself and worshiped him saying lord if you're willing say that with me lord if you're willing do you hear the sound of the guy's heart he's all ate up with leprosy some of our lives have been like that we did some damage to ourselves and our lives are all ate up and we got this thing in our head that well you deserve that and you don't deserve this and you don't deserve that and he comes with that attitude and that sound from his eking from his heart and you got to know that guy leprosy man you you look horrible and you feel horrible and you're cast out of society for that and he says out of his heart lord if you're willing or the king james says if you will if you will you're able to cleanse me and next verse and he reached out. He didn't even answer an answer. And I want you to get it. Say, it's for me. God's desires towards me. And he reached out and, and his, in his hand, he touched him. And he said, I'm willing, be cleansed. The King James said, he says, Lord, if you will. And he says like this. He touched him and he said, I'm willing. And this is the real Greek. I'm willing. I desire to. Matter of fact, the real Greek says, not only do I desire to, I yearn to answer that call. I yearn to make you well. And not only does the Greek do it like that, he says, but I'm designed by the Father to meet that need in your life. I'm willing, it says in the Greek. I wish above all things. I desire to. I yearn to answer that. I provided for that in full. I paid for it on full on the cross. I want you to have it. It's my desire that you would have the kingdom, Jesus said. And so we're out there in our crazy thinking, uh, begging, God, am I saying it right? God, did I do it right? And he's saying, man, I yearn to heal your body. I'm designed to meet that need. That's the Greek. And I don't know about you, and if that doesn't wake you up, I don't know what to tell you. But you don't got to struggle anymore. Tell your neighbor, I don't have to struggle. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it in full. And the grace that's active working through him is saying, I yearn for the best. I'm designed for that in you. All right. About the, <laughs> that dream maybe is really real. <laughs> of course it's real. It's a joke. And what it'll do is change your posture and your thinking that God's heart is towards me and he's yearning for that fulfillment. He wishes it. He's designed that way. He's never going to stop with me. Amen? So I, so I receive of that grace. Let's go back to John 1.16. I receive of that grace upon grace. I receive of it all the time. I receive it when I get bad reports. For my, for, and I had a bad report for my wife or her body says a certain thing. I receive of that grace. It's a living grace. It's act, I receive and say... What he yearns and desires, that she lives long and that she's well. I receive of that. See, it's not a pretend thing. People think, I'm telling you a story. I'm telling you what I live. I'm telling you how to live it. I'm not giving you some sermon. People tell me, every time they tell me, I like your sermon, I want to smack them in the mouth. 
Oh, I listened to your sermon. Pow! That's no doggone sermon. That's a life lived, imparted. And I know they're not used to it because they're used to the charlatan, the pretenders, the theologians. But I'm not ashamed to say I live this thing. Amen? Tell your neighbor, I live this thing. You want it to be real in your life, you live it. You depend on it. You lean your entire personality on it. That's how things change. And God's not robbed. So let's read it. For out of his fullness and abundance we have all received and all had a share. We are all supplied with, say all, one grace after another grace, one spiritual blessing after another spiritual blessing, one favor upon another favor, one gift upon another gift. 17. 17th verse. For while the law was given through Moses, say Moses. See, Jesus already begins as he begins. I told you 1 through 10. He's trying to change some things about people's thinking. And he says, hey, listen, grace and truth comes by me. Moses had principles and stones, and, and they were cold. They were cold, and they were hard, and none of you could fulfill it. Not a single person could keep the law. And every time you find yourself frustrated in life or you're trying to keep this, this word out of your own strength or keep it like it's cold stones, you're missing Jesus, the grace and the truth. Amen? He said, by grace and truth is aletheia, realization. That's what I need. I need his grace influencing my heart. And I need the truth, the realization of that grace so I walk in the reality of it. Amen? Say, you're alive, Jesus. You're the resurrection and the life. And he says, for the law was given through Moses and unearned, undeserved favor and spiritual blessing. And truth came through. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So he starts in one, making a contrast, saying, I'm not the law. I fulfill the law. I'm not this cold stone. I'm the word became flesh. I'm warm. You can touch me. I'm humanity and deity. You can touch me. You can't touch those stones. They're cold. They're like going to smash you. You can't keep that law. Say grace liberates. And in the second chapter, he's at a wedding. And people, his mom's trying to tell him this and down that. He's, he's given symbols. I'm going to turn. The end of this party's drying out. And their wine ain't working. I'm going to transform this water into wine. And I'm going to show people when the party's over, your wine, you're not drunk anymore, not satisfied. Here's a wine that's greater than that wine. I'm doing it by my life. Say by my life. That was his first miracle. In John chapter 3, he went to a good man called uh, Nicodemus. That was a good man. He was what we would call a religious man. Say a religious man. Outwardly doing all the outward things and all that stuff. And Jesus said, hey, it's not about religion. It's about me getting my life in you. You must be born again. Say you must be born again. It's not about going to theology school without an encounter with Jesus. You must be born again. I don't care how many degrees you have. I don't care what school you went to. I don't care what seminary, cemetery you went to. You need the life of Jesus Christ in you. You must be born again, good man. I've dealt with in 30 years, some people say, well, I don't need that. I'm good. I was an altar boy. I said, you must be born again. You can't earn it. You're not going to. But I paid the price one time. I was an altar boy. You must be born again. By you putting all your faith and all your eggs, not Easter eggs, in that basket that I did something. I can't do anything. All I do is receive that grace of Jesus Christ 
And I don't stop there. I let that grace work in me. Don't ever get fooled by people's foolishness, by religious thinking. Well, I'm a sinner and I sin more than you all. Then you better get saved. Because you're saved by the grace of God and you're no longer a sinner anymore. He paid a great price and said the day that you said Jesus is Lord, you're not a sinner. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. I made you righteous. That religious cop-out, well, I'm a sinner and I sin more than you all, is religious foolishness. Run from it like you saw a rattlesnake. It's a spirit of error. You're either saved by grace or you're a sinner. You can't be both. Are you listening to me? That cop-out puts people in pews that sit there forever and say, Oh, I received this grace, and they make it sloppy agape, and they do whatever they want to, and they say, Well, I got a ticket, I received Jesus, and I can live like hell the rest of my life. you got to be crazy. If you got grace in you, it'll never leave you. It'll work you into righteousness. Hello. That's the reality of God. Thank God for grace. Amen. So Jesus, he dealt with that in chapter 3. And he said, you've got to be born again. I don't care how good you think you are. I don't care what philosophy you cling to. You've got to have my life in you. You've got to be my son. You've got to become my daughter. But as many as receive them, to them gave you the power to become something. And I told that young man this morning, quit trying. You're going to become that thing. Keep leaning your heart, asking God, talking to God, communicating with God. You're going to become that. Say, I'm going to become that. I'm destined to become that. I've got to become that. You can slow it down. Don't get me wrong. You can get in the way of resurrection and make it long and drawn on. Or you can just follow that grace and keep following and keep following and keep becoming. Jesus said it like this in Luke chapter 5. He said, throw the net over Peter. Peter said, I did. He saw the presence of God, the action of God, the right now presence of God. And he said, his reaction was, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. And Jesus, what did he say? Okay, you're right. You're sinful. You're horrible. And you can't do anything right. No, he didn't. He said, I know that about you. But he said, keep following me. Keep following me, and I'm going to make something out of you. Keep following me. I'm going to make you that thing that I called you to be. I'm going to make you. Though you're fishing right now naturally, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Amen? Tell your neighbor, keep following. That's all you got to do. My daughter had uh, spoke this scripture to me this week. Listen, I, I hate apologizing. I'm not Jesus. Come on, you know that. You lived around me long enough. You know, Just be quiet. Hey, shh, shh. I was waiting for you to say, no, Craig, it's okay. <laughs> You're not supposed to say it so much like that. But I was talking to an individual, and, and I was talking to them about marriage. And, and they, they called me, and they said something about marriage. And I, and I asked them, so how is your walk with God? How are you doing with God? How are you this? And then they said to me, uh, basically, let me, let me call you back. <laughs> let me call you back. How's my walk with God? So I called them back and said, did you get scared away? And they said, no. They said, uh, I know that you're a man of God. And I know that, they said, you made some vows with God. They, they, you know, you probably think I wear a collar. I don't care. But I respected it. And they said, I'm not going to ask you to do something that you can't do out of conviction. Because the truth is, I'm just starting out with God. And the truth is, I'm living in sin. I'm still living with this person that I'm about to marry. And the truth is, and they started telling me that. And how in the world am I going to say... Yeah, tough luck. Suck it up, kid. You're on your own. No, I said, man, that's admirable. I haven't heard such great faith in all Israel in a long time. Most of the time I hear people just say, just do whatever. I don't care about God or, or your convictions. Just put this thing together. 
I said, how can I not? And Danielle said, how, how could Jesus himself would, would not do it? He'd say, he didn't leave him hanging. He would say, come follow me. And I told him that. You're going to keep going. You know what I do? I'm going to bring you closer to God the best I can. I'm going to push that further. I want to make a man out of that man that wants to be married. That's what I do. That's my calling. Yeah, I'm not the ceremony guy, but I'm that God guy, and I'm going to do that in your life. You want that? Yeah. That's God. Huh? He's real, man. He's altogether lovely. This stuff is real. So in chapter 3, he said, good man, you got to be born again. You work with anybody that tells you that? I go to church every Sunday, and I don't miss this, and they, and, they, and they don't have no life of God. I don't care how good they are. They must be born again. Tell them that. Tell them, you got life in Jesus. They tell you, yep, I go every Sunday, and while I'm going to be with the Lord in heaven, it's because I do all these works, and I do all that. And he said, no, you got to be born again. Only one reason, one answer. I've accepted Jesus Christ. Sloppy as I've been, I've received it. But he won't leave me sloppy. Say, he won't leave me sloppy. He's going to straighten me up. He's going to tone me up. He's going to make me that thing. Huh? So you can say, look on us. So he says, the joy of Zion, that thing, that you're a different people, that you look different. Amen? So John chapter 4, I'm taking you through. Say, I'm taking you through his battle with religion. Chapter 1 all the way to 10. Fourth, fourth chapter, he deals with the woman at, the, at a well. He goes there, the disciples tell him, he says, go away, disciples, because I know you guys got crazy ideas and you're going to get in the way on this one. So I got to go meet this woman and I'm going to tell her something. And she's at the heat of the day. Say the heat of the day. When nobody wants to get water, probably 115 degrees, nobody wants to go to water. It's a type of religion. You're always sweating your brow, carrying a big load and going there and going to Jacob's well, a form of religion. Say religion. She had five husbands. She was immoral. And Jesus went looking for her. And he said, you know what? I got water that you could drink and you'll never thirst again. And then she gives him the religious answer. Well, you know what? Uh, I got Jacob's well. You know, I go to this thing where I sweat it out every day, where I'm perspiring, and, and I'm doing all this stuff, and I bring this water, and it's always empty. And Jesus goes, I want you to leave religion. I want you to get my water. And he says to her, if you were to recognize who he is, who I am, and the gift that's in me, You'd catch this, kid. You'd catch that. But I want to give you a water that's not in religion. I want to give you a water that springs up into life. Say, out of religion. Jacob's well. It's really funny because I get people like that a lot. They, they tell you, I, I need help. I, I need life. I need God. I tell them, yeah. And then they want to go back to their religion. They go back to their denomination. They go back in there like I did. When I first encountered Jesus, Jesus is Lord, and he's saying, I want you in the church. And I went to the wrong one. I went to the one that, that my mom introduced me to, and I went back, and I couldn't stay there because life, say life, was in me. I, I, God helped me. I was trying. I went back in there. All I got was a cough from too much incense. I, I said, this isn't, this is, da, 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 bing. I, I can't do it. I need life because I was born again outside. Are you listening to me? My wife's smiling. Jimmy's starting to go easy, easy. I don't know. I can't help it. It's just the truth. I'm telling my story. Say my story. So nobody can beat me up over it. It is the truth. Thank you, Jimmy. <laughs> Back in that super cape. <sighs> yes, sir, I feel right. <laughs> it is well in my soul. My wife smiles at me like, easy, easy. Is that what, you, is that what you're saying? Okay. All right. Do you remember the incense? 
Yeah, they didn't do not, not, nothing for me. Got my clothes smoky. I'm just saying. And I'm telling them to quit. You know, you, you started with life, and I got to believe that, like me, that life began in them, and they're going to follow life. Because you can't be joined, say joined, to the Lord. You can't be in here and worship God and start weeping and feeling his presence and then go connect yourself to something that has no life and is just a statue and just a piece of chalk. It's got no life. I can't join to it. Huh? It says that Paul said that we're joined to the Lord. That's a sacred thing. Say joining. It's a sacred thing. Joining is by God. Joining is organic. You join God by saying Jesus. When you're in here and Anna's telling you, say Jesus. Call on him. You do that. First, it feels like nothing. You say his name. You feel a joining begin to happen. Every time. That's worship. Join. Say joining. It's sacred. It's organic. It's by the life of God. When I, said, when I was in my, in my room and said, I got to get right with God, Jesus, I don't understand it. But I mean it. And I, I step in and I say, I mean it. You're my Lord. My life is over. I got joined, right? So when I was joined to life, how could I join myself to a statue? It's inanimate. It doesn't have the same life I have in me. It's not organic. But if I join myself to the life of God direct, I'll start getting joined to the life of him in corporate. See, the, the mystery of marriage is that a man and woman... He said, what God has joined, say joined. God said, what you're joined together, not stuck together. And that's why I'm, I'm telling people, you've got to have God. And you get a relationship with God, you're going to get that joining. You're going to get that heirs together with the grace of God. You're joined together. And that's what I tell them. Stay with them. Don't be unequally yoked. Get joined so you're connected in God. Right? As much as I love my buddy Zach, my dog, I can't join to him. He doesn't have a, a, that life. I love him. He's my pal, probably my, one of my best friends. People are so fickle. I believe that. A dog is a man's best friend. People frustrate the heck out of me. And, they, and some of them will say that. Well, I want to be joined to you. I can't join myself to that. I can associate with that. But joining is a sacred thing that God gives. Joining is based on God. Amen. It's a, it's a real thing. And I know people always say, man, it's, it's so hard. It's not hard. Fellowship God. Join to him. You'll join to one another in your order. Say in my order. Joint and marrow in the supply of the spirit. Amen? All right. So chapter 4, he said, I want you to get out of religion. Don't go back. Don't go back to Jacob's well. Don't go back to that hot thing. Don't go back there. Come on out with me. Follow me. Then the fifth chapter... I believe it talks about a man that was uh, impotent, wasn't he? He was, he was at, a, 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 at, the, at the gate. It was water there. He was crippled. And, and he needed to be healed. The lame man, lame man. He needed to walk. Amen? And another, he's telling you, and he's type fine and showing you again. He's going, hey, don't lay crippled at the door of religion. Don't, let them, don't just sit in that church and sing kumbaya. Connect with me and follow me. I want to make you well. I want you to walk. Right? That's the fifth chapter. It says, the impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me in the water when it's troubled. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. And see, that's religion's allure. You know, all these principles and this and that and hop and jump. But the poor guy can't even get up. He can't go. He can't get up. 
Jesus gives you grace to raise you up so you can get up. Hello. All right. And Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and he took up his bed and walked, and the same day was the Sabbath. And look at Jesus. You've got to know, he broke the Sabbath deliberately. He said in the 12th chapter of Matthew, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. It's not this day or that day or this day or that day. I'm Lord of the Sabbath. I'm the David that you're looking for. Quit looking at a day. What are you, crazy? That's religion. I am the Sabbath. I'm the rest. And religion with the Sabbath, they want to go, okay, here. Oh, excuse me, as I walk into the, to my uh, church building. Sorry. Oh, you're, you're poor and hurting? Oh, look, get out of the way. i got to go to church. Oh, you're sick and, oh, you need money? Oh, sorry. Oh, I'm keeping the Sabbath. Oh, you're dying? I don't know. i got to keep the Sabbath. i got to keep a day. And Jesus said, my Sabbath is if that guy's sick, I'm not happy. I want him well. That's my Sabbath. That's God's concept. Say his concept. See, that's God's paradigm. Not a day he cares about people. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. And so he's, he's, he did it on purpose. He broke that Sabbath right then. Next verse. And the Jews therefore said unto him that he was cured of the Sabbath day. So see, they're mad. They don't care about the man. They don't care. And he says, it's not lawful for thee to carry your bed. And they get all crazy in their head. You didn't keep this law. You didn't do that law. And Jesus said, I want him well. That's my Sabbath. So, and the, and the sixth, so he's abolishing, say he's breaking religion. He's breaking it like a hammer. Are you hearing me? And you go, yeah, and right now you go, yeah, I thank God that I'm not like those guys. In our lives, he's trying to break it in our lives. All that ridiculousness that you sit there and pray and I got to do it right. I got to do it like this, exactly like that. And God's saying, no, it's the heart that I look at. I got ways, but there's a heart that I look at. Sixth chapter. He, he baffles their mind. Religion. They're, they're, trying to, they're, always trying, they're getting more mad and they're wanting to kill him more. But sixth chapter, he says, you know what? You've got to eat my flesh. You've got to drink my blood. Or you have none of my life in you. And they get crazy. What is he, a cannibal? Is he crazy? And he said, I'm, I'm trying to tell you something. I'm trying to abolish something. He's saying, you've got to eat my flesh. That's fellowship and communion. We've got to enjoy God. We've got to enjoy the relationship with Jesus. He is the bread of life, he said. And he said, eat my flesh. Drink, eat, my, eat my flesh. Drink my blood. Not cannibalism, relational. So he's smashing their religious thinking again, right? Seventh chapter, there's, I can go on and on. There's a party going on. I think it's the tabernacles, the feast of. Everybody's going to the party and religious. But the party runs out. Say it runs out. And it's ending. Have you ever gone to a party or anticipated going on a vacation or a trip or to a city or to a community and you're happy because of the idea of that community? I did that when I went to New York City. I said, man, I'm going to New York. And I remember a man discipling me said, Craig, said, Craig, he didn't say Craig. He said, <laughs> it spoke to me and said, a man that's moved by the environment is most unspiritual. And they said, and I left the temple. <laughs> After that, grasshopper, it's time to leave. I snatched the pebble out of the hand. I was on my way. Just kidding. He said, a man moved by environment is most environment. They're around, the idea. We all go through it. I tell the kids all the time. They say, I love this place. Wouldn't it be nice to be here? I do like the idea of it. But God sent you to a place. You've got a great life in this place. You've got great friends in this place. Connections in God in this place. 
So I'm not moved by environment. Say environment. But I did that. I went to New York. Say, man, this is awesome. You know, it's a city that never sleeps. Yeah, it doesn't sleep. There's garbage on the sidewalk. There's, there's stuff over there. When I would go out at 11 at night, there'd be rats. It's not what I had an idea of. Huh? See, I'm not moved by environment. I'm moved by God. And that's what we, that's what we do. Amen? So these guys were moved by environment. They were at a party, and, and we do it all the time. I could use Austin. I like Austin. I enjoy Austin. I like the restaurants, different places. But I know, I know where God has sent me, where he's placed me. And though I, I'm, I'm supposed to enjoy all things, and I do. Don't get me wrong. But I don't just get there and say it's always going to be this way. Don't you know there was a man that had a conference all the time. I think how many thousands of people would go. And he said, you guys move here now because you think this is how we live always. We don't live in conference mode. There's an excitement in conference, anticipation. People came there from far away, so they want something from God. And we all feel that energy. But he said, we don't live like that. So then when you move here, now you're sad. Because you say, it wasn't like the conference was. Huh? I'm not moved by environment. So Jesus, that, that party was going on. Everybody has anticipations. You know they do. And they, they go. And, I, you know, it's this holiday. Yay, let's have fun. And then the moment it's gone. Do you ever see it on Thanksgiving? People, we're pumped. And I, and I like the feeling. But I just know where it comes from. Let's go. Let's eat. We smell the cooking. It takes about 100 hours. All the ladies are struggling. And we go there. And then we go, okay, let's, let's eat. And we eat in five minutes, right? What it took them 10 hours to make. And, we, and we're going like, hmm, the party's over. There's no more anticipation. I'm full. Your belt, the guy's belts are done. They're sitting there. Or, the, or, or whatever thing, the Super Bowl. I'm pumped. Who you want? I want them. Yeah. Argue, ready to fight over it. Yeah. It's over. We're like, that's human nature. And Jesus knew that. He waited. He said in the six chapters, his brothers go, if you're such a hot shot, go on up to the party. He goes, I'm not going. My hour is by God. Yours is always. And in the seventh chapter, he waited till everybody was deflated. He waited till everybody shut down, till they were all done with their sacrifices and partying and timbrels and whatever. Yeah, party. Let's get this party started. Can't stop us. Won't stop us. Just saying. <laughs> they were there. They were probably in the temple. Pitbull was in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. But that was over. And it says when Jesus realized it was over, he stood up in that temple. And he said, I know you guys are sad because you go by environment, but I'm here. And I want to give you something. I want to give you some water. And he begins to preach, right? So he shows them that the environment of religion or carnal happiness based on an idealism or an idea of something doesn't matter. Right? That's a, that's a lesson to all of us. Because we're supposed to enjoy all things. And I'm telling you, enjoy it. I enjoy Austin. I, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed parts of New York. I did. You know, there's things that you look for. I mean, I, w- I wish I would have got to see the history places and all that stuff. But I know that they're just environments, okay? So enjoy the environment, but don't get sucked up into it. Because remember that, man, he that is moved by environment is most unspiritual. Does anybody have one of those bang things? Can we do it right here? <laughs> we don't have no Chinese thing here. All right, seventh chapter, eighth chapter, you know the story. Jesus, again, fighting religion. Say fighting it. There was a woman that was caught in the act of adultery. Say the act of adultery. 
And the religious guy said, oh, we got you now, Jesus. Look at this woman. We caught her. We, we caught her. We didn't just catch her. We caught her in the very act. My thinking, some of those Pharisees had a pornography problem. I'm just saying. They were looking in the window. Huh? Don't shout me down. Everybody gets quiet. They say, well, this is so unreligious. Thank you, God. Those Pharisees had a little twist to them. Probably a little perversion in there. We saw her in the very act. Jesus said, how'd you know? Were you peeking in the window? No, he didn't say a word. He, lay, he gets down and he starts writing in the ground. He said, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I'm saying, say, give me this space to say that maybe he did it. So maybe he got on the ground and they said, this woman was caught in the very act. What are you going to do for her? The law says, the law says, religion says, you've got to kill her. And he goes, all right. So he writes, Joe the Pharisee has a problem with what she had, but only keeps it in his own heart and head. So-and-so, the so-and-so. You got to think that maybe he was writing and reading their mail. Because they were full of religious hate. But all of a sudden, one by one, that says they broke rank. Oof, okay. Never mind. Let her live. Forget about that stone thing. Because <laughs> maybe it's coming my way. Huh? That's Jesus. And he saves the woman. Says He doesn't sit there and say, okay, you're involved in that, so keep doing that. that you know, no. He said... Stop doing it. Sin no more. Come on. Let's go on. You're better than that. You're better than that. Tell your neighbor, I'm better than that. Yeah, he always says it. That's why I look right at him. Tell your neighbor, better than that. To the ninth chapter. I'm going to wrap it up here in three minutes. Two, one, countdown. I shouldn't have said that. That almost became not true. John 9. It it talks about the issue with the blind man. Say blind. And Jesus, all through these verses and chapters is smashing religion on purpose because he cares for people and he wants people to have a living vital relationship because he is the resurrection he is the life in the ninth chapter there was a blind man i think it was from from his mother's womb if if it says it right i don't remember the whole context and uh he told this blind man uh i don't know let's let's read it he answered and said a man that is called jesus made my made clay and anointed my eyes and said unto me go to wash at the pool of salome and wash, and I went and washed, and I received my sight. So the, you read your story in the chapter 9. He was blind. Jesus healed his eyes of his blindness. And when his eyes opened up, and when he began to see, he began to see Jesus. And you know what, what he saw? He saw religion. And religion was saying, who healed you? What happened to you? Till finally this guy gets so frustrated and said, do you want to meet him and know him? Because he did it. They said, you're his disciple. He said, Whatever. That's the translation, my translation. He said, whatever. And he said, they said, you're, you know, and so they ostracized him. And they kicked him out and Jesus out. And Jesus got to the 10th chapter and said, listen, blind guy, those are blind guides. They don't see anything. They're so blind. But you see, you see who I am. And the guy fell down and worshiped him. And he goes, now I want to lead you to where I'm going because I'm the shepherd. I'm the gate. I'm the one that makes the sheep lie down. I'm not in that big religious temple. I'm this one. I'm the gateway. Follow me. I'm the true shepherd. Follow me. I'm going to lead you in green pastures. Eat with me. Enjoy my presence with me. I'm Jesus, the shepherd. Come on. Get out of there. It's like he had that big hook. Said This guy couldn't go back. He got kicked out. His own parents said, I don't know who he is. 
They, they, they all panicked. They wanted to be connected with religion. He said he got kicked out. So Jesus said, come on. Come into my sheepfold. Get out of that one. Say religion. All right. I said all that to lay a foundation. I never got there. But here we go. From John 11. He never deals with any longer does he deal with religion's encounter. He deals with his own disciples. And I want you to write this down. He deals with his disciples in resurrection, by resurrection, and life. He deals with his disciples in the chapter 11. The strength of their human opinion. Say human opinion. Webster's calls it a judgment out of the mind. And he dealt with their carnal perceptions. He wasn't battling with religion anymore. He wasn't battling with people that were just hating him. He took his disciples. And let's read a few verses and then I'm going to shut it down. And we'll go there next week possibly. It says now, chapter 11, now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, and the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother was Lazarus. He was sick, right? And I don't want to read the whole thing because I'll go into a whole other thing. You guys will go over time. So he starts dealing with them, and I want you to mark this, and you read your Bible, and maybe, and maybe next week we, we get involved in it. He doesn't deal with religion. He deals with human opinion. Say human opinion. And carnal perception. And those two areas are the biggest hindrance to the power of his resurrection. And you're going to see that. You're going to see so much opinion. You're going to see how Mary, you know, how they get mad at him and say things like, you know what, here's my opinion. You were too late. If, if you were just here, you're too late. Say that's human opinion. Jesus said, I'm not late. I'm right on time. And I'm always on time. You think I'm late. That's your human perception. That's your human opinion. I'm not too late. I'm always on time. Matter of fact, because you try to maneuver me and say, hey, listen, Jesus, this is opinion, human, human manipulation. Come over here. Don't you know he's your friend and he's dying? And Jesus said, yeah, I know he's my friend, but I'm not moved by your manipulation. I'm moved by the will of my father. So I'm waiting two more days. Two more days. And she said, if you are on time, he said, I'm right on time. Say human perception. We're going to do the same. You're not going to move by people's manipulation. You're going to move by God's will. That's, you know, like I told you before, that's where I live, where I live. I, I've been to different cities and they say, why don't you come to this city and do this? Because I didn't hear God say so. You got to know if he did. I'm gone. I'm not moved by the maneuvering. I'm moved by the will of God. Tell your neighbor, you're moved by the will of God. Yeah, I've never seen it so strong and important. That's why I was praying it last night. It says, Paul the Apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the will of God. I've never seen it so strong for our lives. We are this by the will of God. Not by our own will. By the will of God is where I'm at. Say that. By the will of God. That's where reality is at. That's where grace and truth is at. By the will of God. Amen? So we'll go over this, but write down your notes, 11th chapter. Religion 1 through 10, the 11th is the beginning of resurrection. Say resurrection. He's the resurrection and the life, right? And this resurrection that he deals with needs our cooperation. Say my cooperation. He needs you and I to cooperate with resurrection, right? That's why he said, believe, move the stone, take the garments off. We cooperate with it, right? And we experience that. Close your eyes. Pray with me. Say, God, I want to know you.
in the power of your resurrection. The right now resurrection. The resurrection that you placed in me by your life. I want to apply it. I want to experience it. I want to live by it. It's possible with me. I give you cooperation. I dismiss my carnal opinion. My carnal perception. And I follow that grace in my life. Amen? I'm going to stop there. Go over John 11 on your own. And look for those. Amen? Amen. Nothing? Okay. Let's just stand to our feet. And let's just open our hands and surrender and say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you for loving me today. Thank you for reconciling my heart with you today. Continue that in my life. I position myself that you can continue this work in me, this divine thing, this holy thing, this becoming thing. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you in it. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Godspeed. Have a great week. Enjoy each other and enjoy God.